As time seems to fly, so unfortunately does life. You'll quickly tell by the beginning of this episode you're about to listen to that some time has passed since the recording. During that time, we've lost some creatively talented minds and credible humans. So with that, each of these individuals will be in our thoughts and we will continue to consider ourselves lucky to have their work to enjoy for years to come, as they will never be forgotten. Thank you, Anton, Ron, and the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. You're now entering Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast sites like iTunes by searching Nowhere, California. A reminder, Nowhere, California podcast is our old feed, so please subscribe to Nowhere, California, our new feed. Also, you can get your Nowhere, California fix online by going to our official website, NowhereCalifornia.com and emailing us at nowhere underscore california at yahoo.com ideas from everywhere voices from nowhere since 2011 hello this is steve hibbert yes i was the gimp in pulp fiction and i listen to nowhere california as well this is josh this is nick and welcome to nowhere california hopefully if the month of april has died down and (coughs) what calm down i am calm no 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 calm down not died down oh Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like just invoking the word is going to kill another celebrity. 2016 has uh, fucking sucked. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What the serious fuck? Okay, uh, I guess to unveil, like, this opening part of the show, how we're going to discuss things is, uh, during the month of April, we were pretty freaking busy. Yeah. And uh, we lost two major pop culture figures with China... Johnny Lawner and the person we're going to be discussing here in a moment. Uh, by the time you re- you get this episode, you're definitely going to see a post on NowhereCalifornia.com about the man. But right now, we're going to discuss the one, the only, the purple one. Yeah, the purple one. <laughs> yeah, I like that Prince. Prince. He was called the purple one. Wasn't uh, he? <laughs> yeah, we. Crap. You know, talk about. First of all, Prince was one of those artists who became so popular not just because of the amazing talent that he was musically just the man but he how, was yeah just how he lived kind of the semi <laughs> yeah what, kooky just super eccentric yeah. super super eccentric but very subdued uh, eccentricity it, it's not even a, like a douchey eccentricity in, in no no not at all it's, it's it was him. Like you go back, go on the YouTube, go to the first evening with Kevin Smith DVD, mm-hmm. and watch Kevin Smith's story about the lost Prince documentary he was brought upon that never saw the light of day. Right. You you learn a lot of quirks of the man. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's funny because a lot of the times he wouldn't step out of. I mean, no, it's kind of bullshit. He would step out of his comfort zone. Well, uh, fuck. See, hold on. Well, that, well, that, no, that's that's exactly it. Like, the stumbling to try to figure out his prince. Yes, it's because just, well, because I don't want to paint him in any kind of a douchey light. I never no. got that vibe from him at all. I, I, he I, never I, seemed like Madonna, where, she, you know, like, she's just, a, you know, just a fucking D-bag. Yeah. Uh, he was prince. Yes, and... You know, one of my favorite stories is talking about Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Jimmy Fallon was saying that he was, um, was it an Oscar party? Or, or it was the uh, the Saturday Night Live party. Yeah, yeah, the 50th anniversary. Yeah, right? where just, okay. they're like princes here. Yeah, and huh? so he called him out. He had a few drinks in him, and he called him out, and he goes, he just came floating in on a, uh, like a cloud of purple smoke. Yeah. And that was that was how the world viewed him, is like oh, yeah. that he just floated into every room, you know? And Well, that's the whole thing, like... When he was uh, four, like he's like he's five one or five four, tiny like, he was tiny little dude, but the guy could shred a guitar like uh, there was no tomorrow, and or create music like yeah, like, and he was just a musical genius, and it's like son of a bitch, uh, this one this one's kind of a this one's kind of a below the radar gut punch yeah like David Bowie was an above the radar you know gut punch yeah this is one of those things where it's like. You're gonna go back and you're gonna listen to the catalog of music that he has, and you're gonna go, "Holy shit! I forgot about how." I mean, think think about the, just the movie Purple Rain. Yeah. You know, uh, in in terms of pop culture, uh, more under stay the cherry, more stay in the time under the, under under the cherry moon. Right. Let me say that one more time. Uh, you know, there were so many so many stars that have come out of things that he's created. Vanity. Uh, yeah. Colonia. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And we, I know, we just lost. 
Didn't we just lose Apollonia? I think so, if I remember correctly. I think it was Apollonia just passed away too, yeah. so it's like, son of a bitch. And this isn't a thing of we're getting to the age where we're starting to lose these people. This is 57. Yeah. You know, we talked about losing China just a minute ago. She, she died at 45. Yeah. 57 is a young age still. In this day and age of, you know, people who are expected to live to 100 and past with this new generation, you know, that's coming up, 57 is not that old. And, you know, I know leading up to his passing, there were reports about him uh, canceling a couple of shows because he wasn't feeling well. Yeah, because under the weather, honestly, then, they're, they're thinking it was something respiratory, like he had pneumonia. Yeah, just something just, that attacked his system. And then, unfortunately, the workaholic he is. Well, he, and he, also canceled, too, he canceled some shows and then said, I've already canceled this, so I want to do them anyway. Yeah. And he did a couple of shows. On the south, I believe it was. And then he boarded his private plane and they had to make an emergency stop because he was ill. Yeah. He was really ill. Now, the reports coming out of that was just that he had uh, the flu. Yeah. Flu is a very common catalyst to, to move into pneumonia. Yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised by that report, you know, that, that if we come to find out that it was, it was like an acute, like a severe walking pneumonia. And that he was just kind of downplaying it. Yeah, you know. Um, it just, you know, like, son of a bitch. Yeah. We've lost so many people, you know. And it's, 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 it's been and, nuts. I mean, like, like like you said, well, I'm think about this. Uh, people say they move in threes. We, our third's there. Th- our third's, th- yeah. third, three things over. No, it's like three times three now. Yeah. Um, just last week, we lost Doris Roberts. Yeah. From Everybody Loves Raymond. Uh, <sighs> yeah. You know, played Marie Barone. Yeah. And she, uh, now granted. Did you watch the video I posted? The no, I didn't. Uh, Netflix and chill with uh, Ed Asner. Oh, Ed Asner and her. Oh, it's such, yes, I've seen so that video. So dirty and so, so dirty awesome. and fun. <laughs> but she, and she was just a comedian right up to yeah. the end. Uh, you know, 90 His years old. are talking about hand jobs. Is like, right. Oh, God. You're like, holy God. <laughs> but 90 years old, that's a, that's a good long life. Oh, and yeah. so you think about that. That literally was 33 more years. 33 more years over Prince. That's, you know, so much life to be taken away. 2016 can lick a taint. (laughs) Seriously, man. Uh, Joni, you know, like we talked about China, 45. 45 more years to reach 90. You know, it's people battle their demons. I get it. Um, Prince has lived a pretty clean life. John Witness, if I remember correctly. Yes, he, yeah. he cut out a lot of his sexual references. And stuff. Look, look, I, look, there's nothing else that I can say more about this guy yeah. than this. Super Bowl, a couple years ago, <laughs> in Florida, he's playing the halftime show, which everybody was floored because he was playing the halftime show. Yeah. Okay? So he comes out, he plays the halftime show, and he starts up a, a very specific song of his, Purple Rain. And what happens in the middle of the song? Starts raining. It starts raining. He's a, he's a little... Angel that we had on borrowed time, anyways. Yeah, so it's a given on that one. <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, of course, he did make that phallic reference with his guitar. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but he's you know like he made music sexy again. Oh, yeah, on the heels of you know Barry White and you know stuff like that. One of the the sexier songs that come to mind, minus Little Red Corvette, because I just I just reminded myself just by saying that alone. Uh, was uh, Raspberry Beret, and this was during the time like my brother and sister watched MTV like on loop, where yeah. they actually showed music. Oh yeah, um, and I, I watched these videos, and I was like, I don't know what I'm watching here, but huh? Yeah, <laughs> there's uh, there's quite a bit. Raspberry Beret comes to mind, like you said, Little Red Corvette. Yeah, there's that line in there where he refers to Trojans and all this stuff, and then the, it took him to the spot where she let her horses run wild. Yeah. You know, and Trojan horse, you know, and it's like, oh, my God. Uh, and it's just, you know, do you think you can handle my little red love machine? Like, my God. Yeah. Just dirty, hot music. Basically, you'd have to hit somebody over the head with their own <clears throat> cock if they weren't knowing what was going on. <laughs> um, you know, in, in more recent times, um, more recent times, <laughs> like like I'm doing a fucking World War II documentary, uh, in, in more recent uh, events, he was... Not that long ago, he was on uh, uh, New, New Girl. Girl. Yeah, and that was a shock God, right there. That was so funny because he plays, at the very end of it, he plays CeCe Ping Pong. And you kind of get an idea of 
you know, the caliber actor he is, you know, like he saves Nick and Jess's relationship, but then he plays CC ping pong at the end and she's like, I'm not holding back Prince. I'm going to fuck you up. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And she does. And he looks all like, wait, what? Prince, what the hell are you doing? So, it's just such a good episode. I laughed so hard at that episode, you know, and, uh, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's, um, I've never, uh, it's, it's just, Stunning, like it's just—it's one of those things that just hits you, and you go, "What the, f-? you know, what?" Yeah, like, wh- why? Also, too, before we get near like the end of the conversation, there's two songs we definitely have to mention: <clears throat> is "Party Man." And oh yeah, Bat Dance. yeah. For, yeah. <laughs> well, he he or did the, the whole the... lyrical side of the 1989 Batman soundtrack, where yeah. Danny Elfman did the composed music. Uh, the flip side of that is all of. That's all Prince. Yeah. That's all Prince. And, uh, yeah, you know, the, the there's nothing... The, the When the Bad Dance came out, aside from seeing it on ESPN on every fucking cheerleading competition... Oh, yeah. Um, it was a go-to song. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's another one where you kind of get weird tingly feelings in your, 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 your man or lady parts because you've got these hot women that are running around in... Batman Joker. and Joker, yeah, like, you know, uh, half and half makeup and stuff like that. And, and so, this, it, this predated Harley. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. Yes, it did. Uh, but nonetheless, it was it was one of those things that he, you know, he did and just crushed again. You know, like I, I'm really hard pressed. You know, we went through the whole thing with this label. You, do you know? Do you know why he changed his name? Because to he wanted to get out of the label. Yeah, and, and they with, were fucking with him so bad, so he made it so difficult for them to be able to print anything on any check. Or on any contract or anything by by putting that symbol. But also too, that's the reason we got so many like triple albums and yeah. double albums and like when everything's been going on with Kesha. Yeah. It's like okay, she has six albums left. Why doesn't she pull a Prince and just go screw it? Here's the songs. If you guys don't want to publish them, then you guys are breaking the contract. Right. Well, I mean, and if, that's a whole I'm, if story. I'm adding conjecture to that, think about uh, oh, what is her name? I'm trying to think of right now. Uh, Brandy. Brandy. Yeah. Recently in the news, she has all kinds of music to, you know, ready to record and or recorded and her label will not let her out of her contract, but they will not release any of her music either. And so she's currently trying to sue them to get out of her contract so that she can shop her music around and go somewhere else with it. And it's crazy. Because they're basically just forcing her not to be able to do anything. Yeah, and, now, and, and it falls into the line of what was going on with I her. was going to say, some people would say that this is her comeuppance. This is what she gets, you know, kind of thing. Others, others would say that it's her, you know, like, it's the record label's way of stifling her creative talent and trying to punish her a bit, you know, and and all that stuff. But... That's, you know, it's not uncommon to hear stars getting fucked with by their label. And Prince um, was the mainstay on that one. Right. So, <laughs> and he, he oh fucked man, right back. He, dude, he hung through it until the day that he was done with that contract and then yeah. changed his name back, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's, it just, you know, who else would go to the extent of changing your name to a symbol to fuck with your record company. Oh, and you then know. going on, whenever he had to make a public appearance, never yeah. spoke a single word. He had other people up there with him yeah. to speak, and then also, too, he always had, like, slaver and across one side of his face and other stuff. Yeah. And just going, like, you guys force me into this? I'm going to make it your uh, worst nightmare. He came out with both guns blazing. You know, he was, he's just such a revolutionary. He was such a force in music and a force for music. And uh, I'm really going to miss hearing this guy you know like there's there's never been a time where they haven't released something that I'm not like woo that's well, that's pretty fucking cool well they, that's a key thing you just said right there okay well remember the Kevin Smith story enlighten me uh, Prince has music upon music that no one has ever heard in, in the vein of like how uh, Tupac had albums coming out like years after he died and all <laughs> like this is a known so fact so what you're telling me is we're gonna see all kinds of speculation headlines on whether or not Prince is alive oh yeah and then in about ten more years, we're going to see him as a fully interactive hologram at Coachella. I don't honestly the hologram thing. I would give it probably like three years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I said fully interactive. Like get him dance with him, and yeah, he'll be things. like, "Hey, let me borrow your guitar." <laughs> yeah, you know, like holodeck shit from Star Trek. But no, they've already been talking about it during the reports of his passing. It was just like one lady was just like, "There's music no one's has heard." Yeah. Right, and yeah. that's you know that's the thing is it's going to be he has did boss. he have something in place that would prevent. It would prevent us from getting to hear that. 
and and if if not, I think that's the thing. Whose shoulders does it fall on? You know, does does his manager, does his producer, and like you know, does that's his the one thing I'm very intrigued to find out is who's going to be running the estate. Right. Um, does he? Have you know, like I know, like Adam Adam Yock from. Uh, Beastie Boys, yeah, from Beastie Boys, MCA. They they have everything pretty tight well, now. He said into play, like like going into knowing that he was going to die from cancer. He went in and said, "My music for the rest of eternity will never be allowed to be used for commercial purposes." Yeah. And of all. course, some dumbass company did it right after he died, and they got sued. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, which good for them. Fuck yeah. you. No, it was in his will. They followed through with it. The only the only person who's allowed to use him in any of their stuff is JJ. Abrams. Yeah. Because it's um, a fan, and, right? And, yeah, and then also too, Robin Williams. He had a, the uh, the stipend in his will where nobody can use his image for twenty five years. Right, and that's that's the thing. People will capitalize on that. Yeah. People will use that, you know, for PSAs for you know. Oh, let's sell erectile dysfunction. Yeah, center. let's sell this. Let's sell that antidepressant medication. Yeah, you know, like you know, and so. That's going to be. I hope. Year. I hope what we do is we get somebody. Okay, here's here's. I'm, I'm gonna throw this out here. And if it's one of those things that I predict, then yeah, then I'm wearing a crown and yeah. We myself. we didn't give ourselves a title. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what I think we'll see happen, hopefully, is you know we we get a few months, maybe a year or so of his estate kind of getting things in order. Because it's taking a listen huge to the music. Taking, you know, into account his music and, you know, listening to it and saying, okay, here's what we do. And then they bring in, like, a mega producer, which I'm I'm pulling for Rick Rubin. Of course. Uh, you know, who just crushed it for Everybody. Metallica, for fucking Johnny Cash, you know. Beastie Boys, Eminem. Beastie Boys, yes. Eminem is probably one of the most recent. Um, you know, they bring him in, let him, you know, Mix it and get listen, it. figure out what's going to be the best represented you know, uh, versions of his music for, you know, sad Maybe albums. even bringing in other musicians. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Maybe a couple others, you know, to do some tribute stuff or anything like that. You don't like the tribute thing? Well, it's fair enough. I mean, it does sound kind of commercial. But, um, you know, bring bring them in and, uh, you know, have him kind of remaster stuff and, and go over things. And, and then, you know, we get our next of like four Prince albums you know? yeah. from what it sounds like and from the way like Kevin Smith put it it's going to be a lot more than four well I'm sure it will be I know you know like uh, Johnny Cash under Rick Rubin before he passed away had enough music recorded to cover three more al- I think he I think they might even have one more I think so if I remember correctly uh, they're waiting to kind of put together you know and, and release uh Jesus, I mean, that was Johnny Cash in his Twilight years. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking about Prince, and it's still very formidable years. But also, too, the key thing, also, too, from the Kevin Smith story, that either you haven't heard, have you heard this story? Or, no. Okay, I need to lend you the DVDs. Yeah. Um, like, during the point of wait, the... Wait, 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 before, before we get any further. Don't lend me shit. I've got so much <laughs> shit to watch already. As long as I know where they're at, that's all that matters. Well, yeah, but it's like, you know, I am the keeper of your library. Yeah. It's a, it's a list in my brain, but... um. During the story Kevin was telling, mm-hmm. he was pulled off to the side by one of his uh, handlers, one of the producers, and she's like, um, "You're you're done, Prince is, is this you're done." And he's like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Oh, Prince heard everything." And he's like, looking around like he hasn't been here all day. And then he kind of notices off to the side a sign in one of the rooms of uh, uh, Asbury Park or. Uh, Whatever yeah, the studios yeah, yeah. are called, I keep forgetting what yeah. it's called. Are you, well, are you talking about the one that he owns in Minnesota? Yeah, Minnesota. I think, it, yeah, I think it is Asbury Park. Yeah, I think it is. I'm not for certain. There's a little sign that says, "Every room is basically ready to record." So basically, Prince can be in any room of his studios. He could be in, like how Kevin said, he could be sitting on a toilet. Yeah. So if inspiration strikes him, boom, he can, he boom, can lay down record. the track right there if he finds uh, yeah. some type of sound. Yeah, he flushes nice. the toilet and goes, "Oh, that just inspired me." Boom, start recording. <laughs> so that means he could have been anywhere in his studios. He could have been in the cafeteria, break rooms, closets, anywhere going like, you know what? I want to record. And that's going to be the interesting thing to see what kind of experimental stuff we get in the next couple of years too. Yeah, here's some of the, you know, and how far it's going to go back. Like, yeah. are we going to find stuff from the Purple Rain days that he just left out? An alternate it- version of Purple Rain where it's uh, Blueberry Hills. You're a sick man. Yes. You're a sick, sick man. <laughs> So, with that, 
Yeah, there's really, I mean, we could do a whole episode on his impact in music and in film and, you know. Just in, in general just life. in pop culture in general. Um, you know, how the man's held to his beliefs. You know, all of, we, we could go over this for days, uh, you know, and put it into a really solid recording. But I think in the moment, we're just going to take, uh, you know, a second to, you know, not only internalize that kind of damn feeling that we have, you know, that, that uh, you know, disbelief and the regret, you know, and the like, son of a bitch, you know. Not another one. Not another talented one, you know. Like, why can't... I know this is going to sound terrible. I'm going to say it anyways. Okay. Why couldn't, you know, Kendrick Lamar have bit the big fucking oh, yeah. one? Or Tequila Why? Tequila. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sure. you mean Hitler Tequila? Yeah. Shut uh, her damn mouth up. You know, Bieber, any number of them. Uh, you know, don't don't get me wrong. I don't wish ill upon you know any one on... person. You know, I... <laughs> you know, maybe retirement. I wish retirement upon some well, of these people. Well, no. A pox I on the comic that said it. I think it was Titus that said it. Um... There's no God knowing that Miley Cyrus still roams the earth, but we don't have John Lennon. <laughs> that's a pretty, it's pretty profound, yeah. uh, and quite true. Yeah, uh, and quite humorous, which is why Titus is amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, but more on that. But yeah, later, so. in, in in a moment here. Uh, yeah. So in the moment right now, you know, I just I can't help to think that I'm going to be listening to a lot of Prince tonight. I think I'm going to be watching Batman tonight, too. You know, hey, it's not a bad thing to dip back into. A lot of great music in there. Hubba, 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 money, money, money. Who loves you? Um, <laughs> yeah, see, it's it's one of those things where I'm going to I'm gonna be listening going, holy shit, I forgot he wrote this. Holy crap, I forgot he had his hand in this. You know, it's going to be one thing after the other, and, it, and it's just going to be another wave of just sadness yeah. and, like, damn it. Sadness, but... Um... Happiness that we were lucky enough to live during oh, this time. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, like what a what an amazing. That's time the one thing I've learned over this past couple four months of the year. Yeah, <laughs> four months, forty deaths. Yeah, you really yes, with as many deaths as there's been in the celebrity world, we've yeah. we've learned to pull up our big boy pants and 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 appreciate what we've had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we had a lot with Prince. Yeah, dude. It, it sucks because now I'm kind of going back over all the people that we've lost throughout the year, and I'm thinking, you know, fucking Bowie, Rickman, you know, like it just, it, the list goes on and on, and it's, ah, oh, damn it. I hate that we have to add Prince to this list. I really, really do, you know. It, anyhow, thank you very much, uh, Prince, for everything you've contributed to music and pop culture and the amazing body of work that you've left behind, and we look forward to hearing, hopefully hearing, some of the stuff that was unreleased and um, you know knock their socks off wherever you're playing now yeah man. so also too had a nice ass if fair you enough from the fair MTV enough. awards fair enough I'll give you that he did have a nice ass <laughs> I think that is a tremendous way to end this pseudo eulogy that we have going on here uh, Prince thank you for your nice ass and your wonderful music <laughs> yeah I had to start mentioning something weird and funky like his ass <laughs> Because it was like, how are we going to segue from <laughs> I don't know. Prince to Days of the Dead? I don't think it's... God, we just did a eulogy in front of a Days of the Dead. Uh... <laughs> well, well, don't. I, I think we can uh, go ahead and say the dead part of this one. Because yeah, it also, no, I just cracked because, because of the, 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 the irony thing. behind it. Yeah, the, because also, too, like within the first couple moments of this conversation, we, we, we are going to be talking about Cato Kalen. Yeah. <laughs> Not so nice of an ass, but yeah, uh, pretty nice guy. From very cool dude. Um, <laughs> uh, you're getting this at the beginning of May, so one month from month, a month before this, yes. April, the beginning of April. Me, Phil, and Doug for a little bit of the situation. Mm-hmm. We returned to the convention world to the convention that started our convention life. Convention, convention, convention. As unconventional. Yes, very. Uh, hey, how was that fucking convention, by the way? The one I was supposed to go to, but didn't get to go to. You mentioned it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It seemed... That's my goal right now, is to make sure I get you out to their convention. A convention at some point? Yeah. A convention or interview point or something. Try, I'm pulling for the adult video... Yeah, I'm trying to get our... Adult video new, you know, like network awards uh, or whatever Adult the there Woodies. You there you go. <laughs> I want to cover the Woodies. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Do that off mic if you want. <laughs> But um, 
I guess the... And that's a great PSA. Always cover your woodies. Continue, sir. Yes. Uh, me and Phil made the trip, and that's about it on the trip side of things. There's nothing really... Nothing, no shenanigans ensued or anything like that. Mm, no road trip hand job or anything like no, that? No. As much as I begged, Phil said, no, I don't want one this time around. You know, he's he's so focused in his work. So when he when he gets his head wrapped around... That's a terrible choice of words. <laughs> when, when, he, when he gets a hard on for... Wait. When he's in the moment... Damn it. You know, screw it. We're off the road. We're yeah, at the convention. Yeah, here we go. Okay. <laughs> I don't think there was any way to get around that one. That seems like a safe sentence. We'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, we entered the convention floor and kind of just jumped right in. It took us a couple of moments to really get our bearings and everything. Um, I think before we really had a run-in with Cato, we did our first interview with Angus Oblong, the career yes. of the Oblongs in... Uh, God, I don't want to butcher this title again, so let me make sure I say this correctly. Uh, Angus Oblong is creator of uh, Creepy Susie and the 13 Other Tragic Tales for Troubled Children, which spun off into the Oblongs. The Oblongs, okay. Which uh, has its own storied history. You can check out that stuff online and else too. Check out the interview. We do talk about uh, his connections to Hotel Transylvania. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Uh, Yeah, it's not a... Good, oh yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it kind of got screwed on the deal. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, it sucks. And it got changed into some bastardized Adam Sandler crap. Well, Mr. Bitterpants. Oh, well, during the interview, he was like, I really can't say that. I can't say that. I'm like, I'm going to say it. And you, it got bastardized into some Adam Sandler crap. <laughs> Fair enough. Which Fair I think, enough. I, I, I hope won some points with us with him. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it did. Anytime you give a nod to somebody and, you know... Uh, Who's been slammed by somebody else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, but, I think I think it it went well. Yeah, and he was a really good dude to talk to. It, I think he was like our usual interviews that sometimes happen where they're like, "You're a podcast." Yeah, explain. And then he sees all the equipment we have is our just a little micro recorder. Yeah, and he's just like, "Really? How does this work?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that turned out into a really good interview. So outside of the Angus Oblong interview, mm-hmm. uh, which we also handed him off one of the very stylish and limited edition, hopefully not too long limited edition, uh, Nowhere California slot bracelets. No, and it's, you know, <laughs> we we bought 14 of them, 15 of them? Yeah. And Just, somehow I ended up with none. Well, it's because you gave yours away, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll cover that a little bit later. Which is so funny because he came back and... He, he may not have been, but it, it felt like he was fishing a little bit. I had mine sitting right here by the computer, and he was like, Oh, yeah, I, I gave mine to so-and-so, and blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> it was so nice, and I got a picture with it. It was pretty cool, you know. But I, I, I took the one I had off me, and I gave it to him. <laughs> and in my head, I'm going, I'm not giving you my fucking slap bracelet, Josh. <laughs> like, it's not happening. It's so um, <laughs> when you hear slap bracelet, you think of them shitty little things that you get at, like, Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. or, you know, something like that. No, these were fucking high caliber. Yeah. Oh, if that is any kind of phrase to use with slap bracelet, it was a high caliber bracelet. Um, Josh and I kind of brainstormed on how we should do it, and basically what we came to agreement on was we did it in a green, like a greenish color, which yeah. was the vein of a lot of the street, uh, signs. street signs and road signs that you see here in Southern California. And you know, we just went uh, that kind of kind drab, of drab green with a bold uh, text and you know stark white lettering, just just like our freeway signs. And it just said NowhereCalifornia.com. You know, and everybody loved Yeah, it was fucking, like, it was not, it has a little groove in it so that when it wraps around your wrist, you can secure it and it clicks into place. It's a nice fucking slap wrist. They're sturdy. They're hefty. You can break a wrist if you slap somebody with it. Like, uh, it's, they're intense. But uh, apparently they went over, you know, they went over, oh, God, I'm going to date myself with this fucking phrase. It went over like gangbusters. That's exactly uh, the same phrase I was thinking. Right. Well, a lot of people say it and they have no idea what it means. But in my head, I'm going like, I know know who the fuck gangbusters are. So take us to school then. Shut up. Fuck off. No. 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 You open your mouth. You you say it. They were kind of like a movement in the 70s, like the the Guardian Angels, you know, sort of thing. And uh, uh, they were just like good Samaritans that would step in and fuck you. Let's move move on. Move on. Uh, Okay. Uh, After the Ingus Abelong interview, uh, we... Sorry, making our way around the floor because we're still trying to get our footing of the situation. Like going, like, okay, who 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 do we talk to next? Right. And I, I'm the there. first part about going to any convention is getting your bearings, finding out where everybody's at. Yeah, and just seeing who you think would talk and not talk. Right. 
And mind you, I'm wearing my orange backpack during this thing, that my normal con backpack. Bright orange backpack. The one they gave you at the special needs school, so that yeah. if you get lost, they can identify yeah, you. Exactly. Good. Smart. And the exact reason I brought it to the cons is to be able to be spotted out in the crowd very quickly. Yeah, there you go. Because the next person that spots us in the crowd and freaking calls us out and gives us a little bit of grief, but fun grief, Kato fucking Kalen. Which, uh, hey, uh, you know, Kato's, Kato's been in the news uh, for a long time. For, forever since the OJ Simpson trial. But. More recently, has been back into the news because of the people uh, versus OJ Simpson. Versus OJ on Simpson. FX, yeah, yeah. The, on FX, the miniseries, which was, from all accounts that I've heard, was out fucking standing. Yeah, everybody freaking loved. Yeah, it. everybody did just a really well, really. It's good the same job. dude that did uh, American Horror Story. So We're, yeah, and so uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be shocked to find out there's going to be some Emmy nominations in this. Not given. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> and, and some Razzies that'll be given for it. Uh, John Travolta. Travolta. <clears throat> Cuba Gooding Jr. Actually, um, from whenever Cuba did a pretty right. Job. When you see them side by side with their counterparts, they're they're pretty close. But there's a lot of overacting in that. And between David Schwimmer and oh, yeah, John Travolta, holy yeah, shit! Oh, freaking Travolta's wig and eyebrows <laughs> deserve Emmy nominations alone. But um, we're roaming around. We're kind of talking. All of a sudden, here, hey you, where'd your parachute in from? You. Ah, he fucking saw it as a parachute. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, what, are you, what are you guys doing here? I'm like, I'm like, why does that voice... I don't know why the voice clicked in as familiar. Yeah. But I'm glancing over. I lock eyes with Kato Kalen yelling at us. Nice. And I'm like, and you know me. When it comes to somebody busting my chops or anything like that, I'm usually boom, boom, boom. I'm yeah. usually pretty good at coming right back with something else. I was in deer in headlights because it's just like... Yeah, you don't expect to get called out. By Kato Kalen. Right. <laughs> and he's waving us over. So we're talking to him and everything, and he's going to new spiel about what he has on his table, but still being like a cool guy talking with us and everything, asking us what we're doing and everything. And then we he tells us about his press stuff he's been doing, like the blogs and stuff for the right. series and everything. By the way, folks, uh, whenever you go to the conventions, uh, any of them, uh, whether it's San Diego Comic-Con, Days of the Dead, Long Beach Comic-Con. Uh, the Woodies. The Woodies. <laughs> um, try not to bust people's balls too much. A lot of the celebrities. Try not to look down on them no. like, oh, look, this person's selling their autograph and things like that. That's, you know, look, when you're not in the public eye for a long time and you're just, I don't want to say like you're a background person, but you're you're somebody who goes around to these conventions who give celeb- or, you know, give, give fans an opportunity to meet the celebrities yeah. that they, they knew and grew up with or familiar with and things like that. Uh, some are kind of dead fish at times. Others yeah. are really, really inviting cool. and have great stories. I sat and spoke with Bob Wall, who uh, was a world champion martial artist uh, in the 70s and was really close with Bruce Lee and was in Enter the Dragon and Return of the Dragon and several of his films. I sat and listened Quick to Quick side him. note, sure. um, I believe in either it's either two or three weeks, uh, Cinemark Theaters uh-huh. in this area, which hopefully you guys will be hearing this. Okay. Uh, they're going to be showing Enter the Dragon. Oh, I can't wait to see that on the big screen. That'll yeah. be amazing. It'll be first time for me. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, um, anyway, with that, that being Stepping said, you know, like, yeah, I, I, no, no, but I mean, I, I got a chance to meet Bob Wall, and I sat and talked with him for, like, he voluntarily just will tell you amazing stories about Bruce Lee behind the scenes and yeah. his involvement behind the scenes and things like that. I listened to him for 45 minutes. And then, you know, then he asked you, you know, did you want to, did you want to buy a picture, you know, and an autograph and stuff like that? And, you know, like, I was like, fuck yeah, you know, 25 bucks, well worth that oh, yeah. damn, you know, the, the, the conversation that I just had in the knowledge, you know? Well, he, um, or, no, no, that was it. I was just basically, you know, when you see these people in like autograph row and different things like that, that's what they're doing. They're, they're making a little more scratch for themselves, you know, and, and that's, they've been in the public eye for, for years and don't have that privacy. So when you're not making millions of dollars anymore to cope with what you know what do you have to do so why you know yeah pony up fucking 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever well, it is you know and, and i did yes yeah yet with uh i am the proud owner of a picture of kato kalen on the witness stand there you go a legit picture from the witness stand not nice. like uh it's uh, probably that famous one with the blonde hair and he's oh, kind of leaning over and his mouth kind of, yeah, yeah 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 and he autographed it for me it was to josh you are the man in demand kato kalen Oh, look at him getting all clever yeah. with a little rhyming. Oh, yeah. Kato spitting some some sick rhymes. Oh, well, he had, like, other pictures with him, like, with uh, avocado going, it's 
avocado. Yeah. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, you cheesy bastard. And also, dude, we stood there for, like I said, like several minutes talking with him and everything. We threw out the interview uh, requests, and uh, we were not surprised by the response. He said, due to lawyers and agents and stuff like that, he can't do it at this time. And we're like, dude, it's totally awesome. It's but- fine. After we did that, we still talked to him for like about 10 minutes more. He told us about his work in BC Butcher. He introduced us to Kansas Bowling, Kansas' sister. More on her later. <laughs> Dear fucking God. Yes. Um, and we, we kind of parted ways, and he was like, Phil and Josh, everybody. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, yeah. And then like every time we pass by him, he's like, Phil, Josh, hey, this is Steve. Hey, Phil, Josh, this is Michael. <laughs> Oh, that's fucking cool! Every time, and then like that's cool. And then like w- w- the last time we saw him, I think it was Saturday. We were making our way through, and we were getting ready to get going. And he's like, "Hey, Phil, Josh, uh, you told the people about BC Butcher, right?" And we're like, "Yeah, we did." And he's like, "Do it again." And we're like, "Okay, BC Butcher, show them the pictures, check it out." At the top of our lungs, he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> That's fucking cool. So that's our fun with uh, Kato. Yeah, see, that's I, and that's the kind of thing that builds relationships. Yeah. You know, that's that's any fucking you know. Don't get me wrong. I know Team Z works very hard, and Harvey Levin and his group they work very very hard. But they are Sometimes. paid to be right down in the hot spots of LA and to honestly, try to some catch of celebrities out there. Well, yeah, and I mean that that kind of goes with the territory with paparazzi and you know whatnot, and you know Team Z is kind of the upscale, classier version of the paparazzi. I mean, they make yeah. it very known of what they're going to be doing. Exactly. And you do hear a lot of their guys are very respectful and say, "Hey, you know, do you, do you have a second? You know, you anything you can say for this, or you know, do you mind if I, yeah, with this going on, blah blah blah, you know?" And so, but for us who are trying to build our reputation and things like that, and for anybody who who may be listening to us that is considering a podcast or starting a podcast and things like that just get yourself out there interact with people and it doesn't matter what caliber celebrity it is how well they're known or anything like that get out there and mix it up with them yeah and i promise you you know it'll come back and you know even if it's not every single one of them you will be remembered by some of them and maybe even develop some working relationships with a few. And we actually were remembered by somebody we did run into during the convention. Oh, yeah? Do tell. That lovely Felisa Rose. Oh. Yes. Uh, we uh, were making our way around, and we finally uh, saw her, and she's like, Nowhere, California! And we're like, Ugh. That's fucking rad. Especially See? with it being Felisa Rose. <laughs> yes. So, I mean... I'm starting to understand now why I wasn't able to go to the convention. Well, I think my wife looked at the guest list, <laughs> took a look at Kansas Bowling, took a look at you know, Lisa Rose, and was like, fuck you. No. Yeah. It's not happening. Honestly, the first day of the convention wasn't really too eventful. I, I, I will honestly admit my social anxiety was kind of a little fluctuating that day. Right. Where I was just like, okay, what the hell am I doing? What what what, what should I be doing? What, what where, where should I be going? Well, that's kind of cool because Cato showed you right where to go. Yeah, exactly. You jazz over here. Let's talk. Yeah, let's talk, man. And it was it was a good first day, getting everything squared away, um, just being back with Days of the Dead in California. Right, right, and that's that's a that's a huge deal because we missed out on Days of the Dead last year, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so when we found out they were coming back to Los Angeles this year, it was kind of like yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> And then uh, that will roll into the next day where... Wait, wait, wait. wait. i got yeah. to ask, ask a question here. A little, per, a little bit of a pervy question. Okay. Don't worry. It's not a Kansas bowling thing again. <laughs> okay. That you'll have to edit out. Okay. Um, you're very lovely. You're way too young. That's enough. Yeah. Um, how are the goth chicks? Are there a lot of them? Actually, not a lot this what? year. What? Yeah. Well, then I'm glad I didn't fucking go. Yeah, you didn't miss out too much on that. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Or, or maybe my social anxiety was too tweaking me out where I was just like... Maybe you were feeling too much remorse for not being able to give Phil a handjob on the way down. I don't know. Or that. Whatever it is. Um, yeah, I have issues yeah. with you making jokes about Kansas bowling, but I'm talking about giving Phil a handjob. <laughs> I'm sure Phil has an issue with us <laughs> yeah. talking about giving him a handjob. Uh, He's probably listening right now like, there was no discussion of a handjob. Nobody fucking offered me a handjob. Don't be a liar. Yeah. <laughs> but I do have to say, like, during the time, uh, like, the first day I wore my uh, Negasonic Teenage Warhead shirt that okay. I just got, a lot of very attractive women were checking me out with that shirt. A lot of women love Deadpool, man. Yeah. A lot of women love Deadpool. And Negasonic Plus, Teenage Warhead. Yes. Yeah. Plus, you had Negasonic Teenage Warhead in there. Yeah. Because uh, love that the was the Rosie the Riveter shirt, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you add that into the mix, and it's kind of empowering for women and stuff like that. And Seeing a dude wear it's probably It's kind like, of the t-shirt yeah. equivalent of carrying a baby around. Nice. Yes. 
I love my shirts. <laughs> Fair enough. And then the next day I wore like my Young Frankenstein, and then the following day I wore another one. But that that was kind of the thing that got some of the goth girls looking at me. <laughs> I, I may not have been noticing them, unfortunately. Lucky son of a bitch. Yes, but uh, on just on to day two, uh-huh. um, and that was a Saturday, and it was busy as fuck. Really? Yes. Good. Well, second day, so is we went in there kind of thinking like we're not going to get any interviews. Oh, and Saturdays I, are always big days at conventions. But we did get a lot of interviews, and that led us into our welcoming into the world of getting schooled. Right, which is kind of a big deal. We've we've had a lot of uh, bounce back as far as our. Um, our, yeah, coverage our, our coverage and our, our postings and whatnot about that. And so. our interviews with them and everything. Uh-huh. Which, by uh-huh. the way, if you get a chance to check out Getting Schooled, the movie by Chuck Nor- Norfolk. Chuck Norris? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Chuck Norfolk. I'm yeah. sorry. It is a <clears throat> throwback 80s slasher movie mixed with Breakfast Club. Oh, that's fucking cool. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to have to show you the trailer before we end our day here. And they did a screening of it too so before the screening I did all my interviews which after the screening I was like yeah but I want to talk to them more but this timing and everything right, right but right. we're still in constant communication with them so definitely Days of the Dead and all this coverage is not the last time you're going to hear from us about getting schooled good we'll keep pushing that one out but like we that. had some great don't you bleed out without me so, some great music throwbacks oh is it oh yes oh good so many good things they they did it well. That like the like it literally said like the Breakfast Club. There was a high school princess, the fucking jock, the, the outcast, outcast, yeah, the nerd, the nerd, uh, the kind of loner weirdo girl, the, the outlaw, right? Yeah, yeah, the Judd Nelson, yeah, Judd Nelson light. And basically, the premise is they're there for Saturday detention and everything, and the teacher that's in charge is a Vietnam vet. Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he gets smacked in the head. Which... And he goes into a fucking flashback. Yes. Yes! I love this premise. Yeah. How did nobody think of this? That's oh, f- Congrats, you guys. That's a fucking great premise. Then I might want to suggest listening to our interview with Chuck Norfolk where he talks about where they came up with this idea. Chuck Norris? <laughs> Sorry. Chuck Norris. You got two more of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, it gives me a chance to say Chuck Norfolk's name yeah. again. Uh... See, Chuck Norris brings him in. Chuck Norfolk takes him home. Yes. Uh, and he'll appreciate that comment. Which is kind of dirty. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's great That's movie. That's off to you, sir. <laughs> and also Ron Jeremy was there. Oh, wow. Was it? <laughs> Now, I've often told this story off mic. Uh, I had a run-in with Ron Jeremy at San Diego Comic-Con my very first trip. Uh, he was pissing next to me. Wow, that, that, that kind of tossed my Clue Gallagher one. It was a little fucking intimidating, man. Yes. <laughs> little fucking intimidating. You stand in the bathroom and you're like, oh, you know, <laughs> you know, good convention, huh? And yeah. he's like, yeah, but the water's really cold. I know it is, but goddammit it works. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're just, I'm standing there going, I'm pissing next to the hedgehog. Like, there's, it's the only time, if you're straight, <laughs> it's the only time that you fight the fucking urge to look over the separator. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god. You almost would think Ron Jeremy like, just do it. Yeah, honestly, uh, when I met him, he was, I think he was a little pissed because the convention is, like San Diego Comic Con has become a lot bigger than what it used to be. You know, what he used to come out and appear with. And he was saying, this fucking needs to go to Vegas. Like, this needs to be a bigger venue than what it is there. It's not that it's cramped spaces, and it's not going to be in San Diego anytime soon. But he was, you know, he was upset because it was just wall to wall fucking people. Oh yeah, and uh, it, it's kind of hard to move around. And it's that. probably the, the way he lives his life. He probably doesn't like that type of situation. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, who would imagine Ron Jeremy would like to be smashed up against another person in close proximity? Yeah, yeah, no, that's I don't know. Yeah, yeah, weird. But uh, could you imagine that brushing up against you? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, what the fuck is this? Anaconda and Four? And you're like, does that his leg? And you turn on like, oh hi Ron. Yeah, I think it was his leg. Did you feel a knee? I, no. I, or no, or yeah. it's just like, I hope it was his leg. Yeah. I think a baby elephant punched me in the, in the ass. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> he was there. We didn't. Um, he was there for the screening of the movie. He almost caused a fight during the screening. Did he really? Well, we're sitting there. Me and Phil. Phil's. Being Phil, loving every moment, laughing out loud. Yeah, all Did he yell and say, shut up, Phil? Oh, no, no. Oh, okay. No, it, it, Ron was two rows behind us. 
the row behind us, uh, somebody was sitting there. I'm not going to say who it was because I'll say off mic who it was. Okay. And it was me, Phil, and two other guys. Okay. And Phil's sitting there laughing his butt off, enjoying the movie and everything. I'm off to the side doing what I usually do with these type of movies, just sitting there and just taking it. Yeah, taking it all in, right. And then we start hearing some noise, and I'm not I'm not trying to figure out when the no- where the noise is coming from because I'm just trying to... It's a screening. Noise is going to happen. The guy sitting behind us leans forward to the two guys in front of us going, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to punch you in the face. Wow. And I'm like, seriously, don't make me have to bodyguard Phil. <laughs> so he was saying it to, to Phil? He wasn't well? saying it to Phil. Oh, okay, okay, But okay. since Phil was in proximity Yeah, like of, you were within the blast radius. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, I will leap over these seats and get in this dude's face and just tell him, like, sit the fuck down. Nice. But luckily, gotta, yeah, I gotta know who this is now. So yeah, but it, the thing the, that totally takes me out of the movie, unfortunately. But I still enjoy the crap out of this movie. The mm-hmm. movie was awesome, and we get everything gets wrapped up and everything. I look behind us. Behind us is the guy that was having the issue with the people in front of us supposedly making noise. Okay. But then we find out <clears throat> where the noise was really coming from. So it's a mistaken identity. Mistaken identity. Okay. So it was totally. This not even this guy's place to even give, give these guys grief. Now, did these two guys fire back? Well, they were kind of like they probably were just they're a little bit still leery about the situation. Like, dude, chill. <laughs> huh? It was Ron Jeremy behind him. He was crinkling bags and stuff because he was eating throughout the movie. And I was talking to Courtney uh, Sandiford. She's the production designer and uh, also producer right, of the movie. Right. And she was just like, "When are we going to tell Ron Jeremy he's hungry? He's going to eat." Let's be fair. That's a 24-hour window of any time he could want to eat. He'll fucking, you know. He's the hedgehog, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's he's a little lump of, uh, lump of man. He's the Danny DeVito of the porn world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. But I, I, I am a firm believer of, yeah, bring your food in. But get it, get it fucking set up prior. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, but it was just this whole situation of, like, one, it's a convention. You're going to get weird noises during screenings. Right. And if the noise is coming from Ron Jeremy, it's going to be a weird noise. Fair enough. Yeah. And two, nothing is worth going, I'm going to punch you in your fucking face. Yeah, that's a little overt. Yeah. But enough of that. That was, honestly, that little split second moment, minus an interview that I will not mention, was the down points of the whole convention. Okay. Yeah, there was one interview I won't mention. That you've uh, mentioned twice now. Yeah, on mic, <laughs> but I will mention it off mic. Okay. That it wasn't exactly fun. It was fun doing the interview, but then editing it was realizing, oh, yeah, this sucked. <laughs> that That's harsh, but yeah, that's, you know, it yeah. happens. It happens. It, it happens, and it's not even against the dude. Like, he was there for a reason. Yeah, see, now, like, I, years ago, I used to listen to the Mark and Brian radio program out of 95.5 KLOS yeah. in Los Angeles. Just saying, it's not even a big name person. It was one of the independent people. Ah, gotcha. Okay, so, uh, Brian, Brian Tom, Thompson, let me see, Brian Phelps, Brian Phelps, he was uh, interviewing, over the phone, uh, Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin fame, and they were asking him questions and things like this, and I think it was just too early for him. And it was the same questions that he's been getting for 30 fucking years. And he was kind of a dick and just kind of a dead fish. Do I think he's like that all the time? No. Well, no. Well, that is but a, that's, the, that's, that's a good reason, thing, yeah. though. Like, this guy, we gave him an open floor to talk up everything. Right. And he would not leave a sales pitch behind. And kind of was like Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you telling me about yeah. that. But, like you said, it's nothing against a dude. It was just one of those things where I'm just like, I kind of wish it would have went different. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is there's, look, everybody who's working on an independent circuit, and even some of those that aren't, <clears throat> um, you know, if you're pushing for a Kickstarter project, even on a big, you know, budget, something or other, and you're trying to get some extra money or a GoFundMe type project, you're going to want to pitch your, your thing. Yeah, you're going to want to. But wanna... there's, there's a time and a place for that. Like, talk to me, and then I'm going to give you an open forum to just go ahead and plug the shit out of this. Yeah. Don't plug it through the whole thing, like, by going over the top of what we're talking about. Exactly. To do so. But, so, yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was his deal, and that's what I got out of it. So, out of, uh, out of that circle, that pretty much ended our, no, second day we got our interview with uh, Felisa Rose. Okay. We sat down and talked to her again. Nice, nice. Um, talked to her about the upcoming Death House movie, mm-hmm. which is going to be awesome. Uh, 
talk to her about Jonathan Turstein, how he's doing and everything, because he wasn't there. But I did bump into now, him at the bar. Right. now, <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. But now you found out that Felicia Rose was going to be in this film. Same day. Same day. Yeah. Like, I was getting ready to leave, and I was checking out JoelBlow.com, and there was a story with Felicia Rose has signed on for Death House, the Expendables of Horror Movies. Right. Which we... We got you guys landed the interview with another person who's also going to be in Death House. Yeah, and it was kind of like holy shit, we got ourselves a we got a two for yeah, we got a two for one deal, uh, with Sid Haig. Yes, yeah. So but, uh, with, with the Felicia Rose interview, we he seems like such a fucking cool guy. Oh yeah, he is. Oh, damn it, damn it. Uh, yeah, I will meet you, sir. Yes, you will. I, I know that sounds fucking very traumatizing and scary, but I will meet you, sir. <laughs> well, when you I threatened Robin Shelby for a long time, and I finally got some legal notice from her uh, <laughs> uh, lawyers. Was like back the fuck up. Yeah. But um, also, too, when you hear the Sid Hague interview, I don't think he'll be freaked out by you. Oh, is he? Oh, good. Yeah, so, because he tells us an autograph story that... Oh, uh, that's, yeah. that's fucking rad. Yeah. See, I love that's stuff like that. I love talking to Sid. Love stories like that. But uh, we talked to Felisa. We just have a love fest with her because it's Felisa Rose, and she's just awesome. And um, during that time, too, we gave her another slap bracelet. Put that away, boy. Yeah. Hey. Anyway. You're the one looking. <laughs> We gave her a slap bracelet actually the day before, and we yeah. talked to her about uh, how she's enjoying it, just to basically plug it on the nice, show. And she's nice. like, "Oh, my son's playing with it right now." Oh, see, now that's fucking cool. Yeah, and we're just like, "That's awesome." Either that, or that's kind of a nice way of saying, "I fucking just handed it off to my kid." Because no, nah, she she loved it. No, if she if she spotted you guys and called you out, that's, yeah, that's, and, that's um, right. Then after the Felicia Rose interview, that kind of uh, ended our day because we ended the day with the screening of getting schooled and everything. Oh. And also, too, I forgot to mention this little side note for the day two is I found a bar. Nice. Yeah. Like, I was roaming around looking for the Tattoo Expo portion of the Days of the Dead. Okay. I found it, and I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to try to talk to him. Unfortunately, I didn't get around to talk to him. Okay. Because they were just tattoo artists. They're freaking busy the entire time. Yeah, yeah. As I was getting done walking through the Tattoo Expo part, because it was in another part of the hotel, like the convention center was the Days of the Dead convention, and then there was like a ballroom that they were doing the tattoo stuff in the main hotel. Nice. And I'm kind of looking around the lobby of the hotel like, okay, this is kind of cool. Jonathan Turstein's coming from the elevators. Oh, okay, okay. So I'm like, hey, man, are you here for the thing? He's like, oh, no, I'm, uh, I uh, bowed out of this one this year. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And just to throw it out there because he gave me so much crap when we interviewed him about being shaky. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, steady as word this time. He's like, oh, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks off. And I kind of glanced around, I'm like, ooh, a bar. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Let's fix that shaky right now. Yeah, let's fix that shaky right now. So I went over, I was like, can you guys make surfer on acid? And, and then, of course, I got the blank stare from the bartender. Yeah, what the lot. fuck is that? You're going to make me Google it? All yeah, right. And he Googled it and made a pretty damn good one. That's why you got to stick with the L.A. water, man. If you're going to go with the mixed drink, go with something that, that well, gives it, a little ball, well, has a little punch. In the world of nowhere, I hate to tell you this, it's not L.A. water, it's love water. Stop that. Yeah. Now, you stop that right now. I know your lady friend called it low water. I'm going to call it water now, too. Bad on her for being a ding-dong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's L.A. water, man. It's, it's indicative of the water that flows in L.A., and I don't mean through the faucets and shit like that. Okay, I'm I was talking, about to like, say it's more brown. No, yeah. your ravines and your, you know, yeah. And like but your, also, too, the water in L.A. isn't that blue. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But that's why it's got that tinge of kind of brownish green in it, which is, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a damn good drink. It's fucking apropos, and, and, and I will tell you right now that the, the best one that I've ever had was made at the Hollywood Improv on Melrose. Uh, yeah, I got that one right, Melrose? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the improv, um, the world famous improv. Yeah. Um, speaking yeah. speaking of which, on a future story, I do have a story of the best surfer I've ever had. Well, the best surfer on acid. Yeah, finish that <laughs> fucking <laughs> sentence because you know the look. I'm, I know it's a podcast, but you can imagine the look that I'm giving him right now because I fucking knew it. <laughs> to quote Jay Silent Bob, "Ew, I knew it, dude." Well, you you were gonna suck my dick. Well, you've talked about weird asterisk names before. Well, yeah, that's yeah. that's all. It's incorporated into my yeah, stand-up comedy. Unfortunately, <laughs> the surfer on acid, it's always going to be indicative. Like, I have to make sure I get the point across correctly or people are like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I... You I, enjoy a frosty butthole? Oh, yeah. fucking who doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> give me two. Give me a double. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I had a couple drinks that day, and that helped smooth some nerves. Nice. And uh, that was pretty much the day. Doug uh, joined us during that day. Good. 
And uh, that's about it for the second day. And then the third day, Phil bowed out. Okay. And uh, you bowed out. Shut up! I had to mention it again. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm seeing tears. <laughs> I just want to... Like I, just, I said, that... I just want to meet Felicia and... I just want to meet Sid and... Oh, fuck, never mind. All right, next year. No, right. yeah, not even next year. You're going to be at a convention or oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. situation this year at some point. Absolutely. Even if we have to run down some local homeless person. <laughs> it's, okay, it's, seriously, it's like an act of fucking God. Every single time I get ready to, to load up to go to a convention, either I have an asshole boss who keeps me two and a half hours over my fucking that shift. Fucked. Yeah, fucking prick. Uh, you, not the current boss that I have. If by some chance... Travis Fukata at Stater Brothers 123 in Victorville, California is listening. Travis, you're awesome. Yeah, he's I fucking love that guy, dude. He's he's outstanding. Yeah. The uh, other guy that kept you there yeah. for two he's hours. He's somebody, somebody old. He's a fucking asshole. <laughs> um yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so there's that and then it like mother in law stuff that we had going on where she wasn't feeling well and <laughs> just one fucking thing after another. And that's my goal is to get you into there because like for Long Beach, my goal was to do no interviews myself. I was right. going to let you guys... You were going to let us roll with it. I yeah, know. I was going to be going like, okay, I can actually be right. just the creator of this shit. Yeah. <laughs> but um, third day rolls in, and that's when we get most of our freaking interviews. Like, we got a good portion of the interviews the second day with Felicia, um, the people from Getting Schooled, and then the first day with Angus Oblong, and he who shall not be named. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, third day started out with uh, talking to Russell Nulty behind Wannabe Press. Okay. Really good dude. Um, some really interesting uh, comic books he has created with uh, Ichabod, the Zombie Hunter. Okay. And uh, Katrina, I forgot the subtitle of that one, but some interesting stuff. Fair enough. And then after that one, we kind of dove into everything. And I've always felt Ichabod kind of got a bad rap. Yeah, I know. I it's know. a good name. I know, I know, but he's he kind of got a bad rap in the stories. Yeah. And then uh, we talked to Sid. Okay. Which was awesome. He kind of remembered us. <laughs> oh, he's an old guy. I know. He, oh, you took that route. It's the, I think I'm going to a bazillion conventions. And so the fact that they might remember you is, is a flattering fucking thing. It is. It, it's a very it, flattering thing. He, he could just be like, I remember your face. <laughs> he forgot you because he's fucking old. Oh, well, he Sid, you and I are going to turn and clown these bastards the next time. <laughs> oh, no, fuck. I'm telling this story, too. I'm going to be like, he's But also, dead. too, he does talk about the travels, too. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like I love the conventions. I love meeting the fans and everything. Right. But I travel so much that I'm growing feathers. But the way Fair I enough. said it doesn't give it justice. you got to put it in the Sid Haig tone. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's crazy because like the the pop culture convention scene is just riddling the landscape now. Like I just saw an ad for uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Comic Con. And they have a laundry list. Holy of fuck! They're chock full of shit. I was like, what? Chris Evans is going to be there. You know, I'm like Jeremy Renner's going to be there. Well, like the Silicon Valley Comic Con. Freaking Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, and Leah Thompson were going to be there. See, that's outrageous. Yeah. And that's... I'm like, why couldn't we get press for that one? Right. See, she's upset she can't go either. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, also third day, we talked to the Pulp Fiction onslaught. Right. We talked there, to yes, there Angela was, there Jones. An anniversary type thing. So. Yeah, uh, Esmeralda, the taxi driver. Son of a bitch. She's an awesome lady. Of course she is. Yeah. And then I realized after that, when I'm editing and everything. So fucking hot, that movie. I, I did a, only a three-minute interview with her, which I was like. <sighs> you last three minutes with her? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway. Um, then uh, Dwayne <clears throat> Whittaker. Sorry. Maynard. What, one more time? Maynard. Oh, okay. Uh, Dwayne okay. Whittaker. Yeah. Maynard, uh, Zed's right-hand man. Right. Literally right-hand man, I guess. Dude. <laughs> no, that's actually pretty accurate. Well, Go for ahead. that scene. <laughs> yeah. And, of course... I talked to Stephen Hibbert. I, okay, look, I will say that uh, I, I will I will say that Zed's right hand man in that scene, Maynard has one of the dirtiest fight. Like uh, I know that Zed's just nailing Marcellus Wallace, and just uh, uh, but, it but that, yeah, it's, it's all on his fucking face, and he's got to be like, yeah, fucking get him, fuck him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that poor bastard, you know, like it's. And then he gets cut down by Bruce, you know, uh, and it's, like, that's his last scene is going out. It's him, like, yeah, fucking. He's getting all sweaty and just, like, enjoying the moment. Oh, yeah. And, like, oh, my God. So, 
you know, what a thing to tour around for. Like, hey, we're bringing back uh, well, a lot of the characters from Pulp Fiction. We want to have a convention thing. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fucking good. I'm going to go to the bar and drink my sorrows away. But also, too, uh, Dwayne Whitaker has also been in Feast. Yeah. He's also been in Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Halloween. He's been in a lot of Rob Zombie flicks. And, uh, right, yeah. right. Um, you know, he has that quality, kind of that, that dark quality about him, which is what Qu- uh, Quentin Tarantino spotted. Oh, yeah. You know, it gives him that kind of that... Uh, uh, that underlying dark edge, which I'm I'm absolutely certain is what Rob Zombie saw in him and snatched him up, you know, yeah, for the yeah, films exactly. and stuff like that. So, and then also too, like I said uh, before, we jump back into Dwayne. I talked to Stephen Hibbert. Nice. If you if you're sitting there wondering, like, okay, you mentioned this name twice. Who the fuck is Stephen Hibbert? Go ahead. The Gimp. Yes. Yes. Because as bring soon, out the Gimp. As soon as I saw this man's name listed, he was one of the first ones. I'm like, I gotta talk to this dude. Just to be able to say, I talk to the freaking Gimp. You know, I, I will say this. As much as I love, like, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction is probably my favorite Tarantino film. Probably. Uh, it's close to it's, the top it, of my list. It, I think if it's not the top, it's, it's like, so close to the top. It's not even yeah, funny. At least top three. Uh, it's in my top two. I know that much so. Yeah. Um, but Pulp, <laughs> Pulp Fiction and Quentin Tarantino films, because he, he's such a deep-cut artist when it comes to soundtracks... There's so many scenes now that have just fucked up certain songs for me. You know, like I, my my musical background is I listen to a lot of stuff, but I also I love a lot of rockabilly, a lot of uh, '60s uh, surf rock with the Ventures and things like that, which are featured in, uh, you know, uh, Pulp Fiction, quite a lot. So the music that plays, you know, da 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 da, I fucking love that song, and so now every time I hear it, I'm like. Oh, <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, guys. I yeah. know it wasn't your fault, but thanks, guys. <laughs> well, you'll probably be proud of this question I had asked him because he did mention, like, the audition for it. Oh, yeah! Yeah, and he auditioned for the role of the Gimp. Oh, my God! Okay. And the way he told me how he did it, Tarantino attached a leash to him and led him around. That's That was the audition. Really? Yeah. Did he have a fucking like a latex suit for him to get into? No, or? He, no, it was no. just normal street clothes for the audition. So we're gonna put a zippered hood over your head. Yeah. Uh, let's see how you do. Yeah, and then I got one of my all-time favorite bumpers now for Nowhere, California. I was able to get a bumper from him too, which oh. was one of those ones. I was like, I gotta get this one. Like we got the Tony Todd one. I was like, oh god, I gotta get this one. We got a new one from Sid Haig, and we got a new one from Felisa Rose at this Days of the Dead convention. Right, because the Sid Haig one you did on your phone. Yeah, the, and the audio wasn't the best on that one. Yeah. But I got Stephen Hibbert, and he comes in saying, this is Stephen Hibbert? Yes, the game from Pulp Fiction. Nice. And I listen to Nowhere, California, too. Great. So, yeah. Now he's really dirtied it up for us. Yes. Cool, we're going to get the BDSM group. Yes. Nice. So, uh, out of the realm of Pulp Fiction and our final set of interviews we were able to grab, which you, I know you're probably going to tear up because you missed out on these interviews. Oh, bitch. Our uh, conversation with Kansas Bowling. <sighs> and we were able to talk to her stepmom also, Miranda Robin. <laughs> okay, so now that's cool. I love, here's the thing. My, my wife is a stepmom. She's a stepmom to my, all three of my older girls and mother to my, my youngest. Um, I, I think it is something to be said about a mom or stepmom who is, first of all, they have to make the choice to be involved in a relationship where they have to be a parent to kids that aren't their children. I'm not saying that's a difficult thing, but it is. It's, it's, you know, I've gone through issues where Christina, you know, has had trouble connecting with, uh, you know, like Savannah or Sierra, you know, my older kids and stuff like that because she wasn't there for a major portion of their life. And now she's got to be in there and she has to love these kids because I love these kids so much and they're my kids and she loves me so much, you know? So it's something to, to be said when a stepmom comes in and she is, you know, any step-parent actually, that, that steps into the role of being supportive and being there for a kid that's not their own but maybe develop that relationship where they feel like I'm close, I'm so close to this person, you know, like I, she's my family for sure. Oh, yeah. Or he's my family for sure or whatever it is. You know, so kudos, kudos, huge, oh, fuck that word, kudos, I'm sorry. Uh, a very big tip of the hat to... Miranda Robin. Miranda Robin. Yeah. Uh, and also Ken Spoling's stepmom for, you know, backing her play and being there for her. And, and, and she pulled a Wild Flanagan during the movie, too. Because oh, did somebody, she? somebody didn't show up for a role and uh, Kansas had her jump into it. Nice. Yeah. 
Get in here. Yeah. And a great conversation with Miranda. And then also a really great conversation with uh, Kansas Bowling, which made me feel like uh, such a lazy fuck. Dude, every single time. A lazy fuck. Every every time I've I've listened to an interview with like Lord. Yeah. And at 16, she's cutting these amazing albums and has these huge fucking lyrics and deep thoughts. And she does the whole soundtrack for Hunger Games. And like. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, all I could think about was boobies and football when I was in high school, well, you know? I'm standing there talking to Kansas Comic Bowling. books and video games, you know? And she's talking about getting in contact with a cinematographer of the che- Texas Chainsaw Massacre to pick his brain about the way the movie was shot. Right. And I'm sitting there going, like, when I was your age when you were doing that, I was snorting Pop Rocks. Dirty. Yeah. That explains a lot. Yeah, it explains a whole yeah. lot. But really great conversation, and I ho- really hope we talk to her more, too, because there, I know there's so many more layers to this girl and the way she thinks of her filmmaking and everything. And also, too, it was the convention world, so it was kind of a run-and-gun type situation. Right, but, I mean, you, you, get, you get to talk to somebody who is so dedicated to what she does that she thinks of those things. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, how would this have been done? How would that... That's very Tarantino-esque in oh, yeah. that sense. Oh, you know, like, let's go back and shoot a film in this format because that's what the homage is here, is we're throwing back to that format. Oh, yeah. You when know, you listen to her interview, mm-hmm. like, the director she drops during the, as her inspiration, mm-hmm. you're going to be like, holy crap. It's good, man. Yeah, it's nice. awesome. She's a very cool chick. Like, good. I'm hoping to talk to her again, definitely. And uh, that's about it because as we're wrapping up the third day, because mm-hmm. I, I could only be in... Burbank for a certain amount of time because I had to get my butt to Ontario. Oh, what for? For Titus. That's right. But that's going to be for another episode. Yeah, we're going to save it for another episode. We're going to run the whole gamut of of stand-up comedy and some other stuff like that. But uh, very interesting story, and I love that these two are going to tie in. Yeah, because also, too, it's going to be a... We haven't done a two-parter in a long time. No, we haven't done a two-parter in a long time. But this is a great way to do it because it's uh, kind of a happy birthday to you. Yeah. Um... And it turned out to be a pretty decent birthday weekend for you. Yeah, it was a really cool one. So um, we're going to end it here. Yeah, since we did our memorial, and, we're um, going to forego the game on this one. We're going to forego the game. So we're going to say that this has been Josh. And this has been Nick. This has been Nowhere, California. And since we started out talking about the life of Prince, we're going to end it with a little of his music. Yeah, take us out with some music, Josh. Thanks, man. Taking a lifetime lease on the basic ball.